Welcome back to Beyond the Hardwood, and thanks again for tuning in. Today's episode features Jason Wells, a 13-year vet overseas and now an experienced teller, author, and enhancement coach. Wells has used his experience and journey as a former player to put together a platform which has led him to his true calling in life, helping others find their purpose and why, while inspiring the ones to follow us as we continue to grow. So stay tuned as I tap in with Jason, coming up next. Jason, what's going on, man? What's happening, bro? How you doing? Man, all is well, man. All is well, man. How's everything your way? It it is it is what it is. And, and for me, man, a lot of that has to do with the choice. So obviously, you know, we we're all in this same space where we dealing with what the world is dealing with. But yeah, I mean, you will get into it over the course of our conversation, but a lot of um, a lot of how I see the world and the lens that I see the world through is is based on my own mindset. So it's amazing where I'm at. <laughs> hey, I was about to say that uh, tells it all right there, man. Shoot. Well, <laughs> 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 no, nah, man, I appreciate you taking the time out and and definitely look forward to letting everybody kind of hear your story and you know kind of your your movement and you know what you do you know now you know life after basketball and stuff like that man so yes sir so let's go ahead and hop right into it man so you're originally from ohio cleveland ohio you know kind of talk about you know how it was growing up in cleveland and how the city you know molded you both on and off the court uh growing up yeah man so <laughs> I tell people, you know, I, I don't know whether what their, their individual experiences are with what people refer to as the hood, you know, um, whether you've been there, grew up there, seen it on a movie, whatever it is. But, you know, the way that I explain it is, is that's how I grew up. Whatever your individual encounter is with it, that's it for me. So typical inner city Cleveland, Ohio, man, uh, um, a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of negativity, a lot of, lot of just, you know, not great stuff. And, yeah, man, I, I learned real early, man. It's one of the things that I talk about when, um, you know, when I talk about my uncommon or my uniqueness is I got a whiff real early. Like, like I, I live two houses down from the dope house, and I got a whiff early from them. They were, you know, five years, six years, ten years older than me, and, mm -hmm. and – they let me know real quick. They was like, look, if we even catch you close to doing what we do, we going to beat you down before we send you home to your dad and your grandma and, and let them do whatever they going to do. Right. And that let me know real quick, man. You know, I, and this is something that I found as I talk to other people is you almost get this umbrella of a shelter from the people necessarily doing the correct things or doing the, the positive things but they see something in you that you don't even necessarily see in yourself. And, and I got that. I got that from a hood standpoint. And then I got that from a basketball standpoint and yeah, man, you know, we, we can dig more into it how you want to, but as far as basketball goes, man, you know, typical, I, I of course I want to play in the NBA, but it wasn't really a dream. It wasn't really something that I, you know, I played professionally because that's something that I dream to do every day for the for all my life or go to college. I played basketball because that's what me and my friends enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. And because we enjoyed doing it, we did it a lot. And right. because we did it a lot, we got good at it. And because we got good at it, opportunities started to present themselves. And so, yeah, I, I'm not one of those kids that it was it was basketball or bust. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of just how my career unfolded because I, I literally looked at everything as if it was a blessing. And so, Oh, you're going to give me some money to do this. Oh, okay, cool. Right, oh, right. oh, oh, oh you're going to give me a scholarship to do this. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you right. know, oh, I get to see the world while I do this. Sounds great. Cause at the end of the day, I'm just a little boy that just love the game, bro. 
Nah, man, for sure. I'm glad you hit on that, man, especially the basketball bus, because I feel like nowadays, you know, a lot of kids' mindsets are, you know, man, if I don't make it, I don't know what, you know, what the heck I'm going to do. Um, sure. You know what I mean? And, and I'm glad you kind of hit on that, because, I mean, obviously you were walking testimony now with what you're doing, obviously speaking, and you're an author, and, and you know, things of that nature that, you know, you're more than what, you know, people perceive you to be because of what mm. you can do on the court. Um, mm. So, yeah, so, again, man, obviously growing up, like you said, in Cleveland, um, you know, you end up going to Cleveland Central. Um, where you and Earl Boykins, yep. you know, are teammates. Did y'all grow up together? Yeah, we did. So I've been, I've been, and it's funny because I don't even call him Earl. I call him Twan, which is his middle name. Um, but yeah, so Earl and I have been knowing each other since since sixth, seventh grade, and we didn't necessarily live in the same neighborhood, but through we came up in Cleveland, CYO. So we came up through CYO playing in, in Catholic leagues. I went to one Catholic school. We went to another Catholic school. So we've been knowing each other for that time. And then, um, you know, in Cleveland, especially back then, it was, you didn't, if you were, if you had any desire to, you know, really do something different in the athletics, went to a private school, like the public schools just weren't, weren't in a place and and don't get me wrong you got cats like like Ruben Patterson who went to John Hay which is a public school um and there's some other guys but you pretty much either went suburban school or Catholic school and so in ninth grade man we all got together it was me it was Earl it was it was a guy named Javier Smith who played at Robert Morris Division One uh a guy named Barney James who played football at Toledo like there were four of us that went D1 three in basketball basketball one in football which is you know for non-powerhouse school that's pretty unheard of and right. and I was the last one to sign I was the last one um you know I, I, I tell everybody bro I went to Indiana State because that was my only division one offer mm. you know I, I'm not that kid that was heavily recruited I'm not that kid that went on all five of my recruiting visits I went to Indiana State because they saw me in a postseason unrecruited all-star game and New coaching staff walked into the gym. I hit a couple threes. They 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 said, "Hey, who's the skinny kid?" Um, but but it was really what, what I want to say most. Tay is this: you brought up Earl, uh, and I think this is huge for young athletes, man. It was never it was never about me because it was always about Earl. Like when college, and he signed early, which which. It, right, you know, right. for lack of a better word, killed us because, like, all of a sudden he signs to go to Eastern early mm-hmm. and coaches were coming to the gym to look at him. Right. You know what I mean? And and so, but but in that space before he signed, and I never looked at it like I was ever hating on him. I looked at it like, okay, cool, they coming to the gym to look at him. They're going to leave asking about me, though. That was my <laughs> approach. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it was nothing else but who's the skinny kid, like, like that, you know, or, or, or that kid – has something and so yeah man I, like I think that's something that can serve young athletes because there's all this this hate and this envy because somebody else might be getting the press or the looks or, or the things that you think you might deserve man and, and for me I tell my athletes all the time that I work with on and off the court that when you get to the point that you can view everything as an opportunity everything is an opportunity even that obstacle that you see in front of you, if you when you get to that point where you see everything as an opportunity, literally everything opens up. And so that was a big part of my childhood was realizing that Earl being next to me was an opportunity for me to get seen by some people who might not necessarily see me. Man, most definitely. Most definitely. And like you said, looking at it as an opportunity is way better than, you know, nowadays, you know, it's a lot of, I feel like a lot of hate in a sense, you know, yeah. or, or jealousy, I should say, not hate, sure. but but sure. it's a lot of sure. jealousy on, you know, the guys that are getting higher looks, you know, whether whether it be, you know, high major, mid-major, you know, whatever the case may be, but not looking at it from the standpoint that, like, shoot, I can use his recruitment as an opportunity to have, you know, that coach that's recruiting him call somebody and be like, I don't think this kid fits us, but shoot, maybe he can fit you, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. You know, stuff yes, like sir. that, man. And, and I don't think I don't think kids and parents understand that that's how the coaching brotherhood works. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, mm-hmm. that, that is as part of why I do what I do now, which obviously is because I don't think that, that these young athletes and their parents understand that. Like, yeah, that's how it works. Like, yeah, you might not be what that team needs, but he knows somebody on another team that might be exactly what you, what they need. So exactly. yeah, man, just arming them, arming them with those tools, bro. Nah, for sure, man, for sure. So, man, obviously, while y'all were there, um, especially y'all senior year, man, y'all, y'all think y'all only lost like two or three <laughs> games, man. Y'all boys had that thing. You did your research, huh, dog? Oh, of course, man. You know, I had to. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but, man, you like you said, man, you end up going off to Indiana State, you know, only D1 offer. Uh, but, again, you take advantage of opportunity and – while you're there, um, you play for two coaches, obviously, during your time. Yeah. You know, Sherman Dillard and Royce Wallman. Yeah. Um, how was that yeah. experience for you, you know, playing for two different coaches and having to adjust your, you know, your adjusting to the system, I should say? Um, because obviously, Man. two different philosophies, you know, it can be tough on a kid for, for sure to, you know, have to adjust to somebody new when you were recruited by whoever, you know, it was you were recruited by. So kind of talk to us about that, man. Man, that's a phenomenal question. Um, So, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned coach Dillard and and coach Conroy at that time, Doc Conroy walked into that gym and and saw me and say, I'll share this with you. I, I, the same way I actually talked to Russ, we said, I tell people the same thing, man, my fresh, year the media guide read six six one seventy one so you you do the math on you know i was a physical specimen you know what i'm saying like right right <laughs> uh uh I, I was i was anything but i was skin and bones i could shoot a little bit there you know i was the definition of potential and so coach dillard and, and coach conway walked into that gym in cleveland and they saw me play and, and they had an open scholarship as a new staff coming in late in the spring and, you know, senior heavy team, this kid is not going to have to come in and play. You know, he can technically red shirt or we can do whatever we want to. And, and man, I sat the bench my freshman year. When I say sat the bench, you know, you know, obviously there's 40 minutes in a college game. I played 42 minutes through 27 games. Mm. So, you know, I, I sat the bench, getting red shirt, didn't actually we had gotten to a point where it was trying to decide whether it was going to be morally or ethically right like do we just almost fake a red shirt because i was right on the cusp of of being able to do it which would have been a game changer but we decided not to so my freshman year turned into literally me being frustrated one time to call my dad and say i'm frustrated and he told me three words. He's like, go get better. Yep. It, it wasn't no, because it, it wasn't no, you know, I want to leave here and go where? Right. <laughs> you know, go <laughs> go back to Cleveland and, and, and go to Baldwin Wallace or go to John Carroll, you know, a, a D3 school. And absolutely no disrespect to those schools, but, though, you know, that the, the finances look different. Like, I'm on full scholarship, so transfer right. to go where? So he told me to go get better and. And I mentally took this approach, and I never would have called it growth mindset or anything like that, but my mindset became I'm not playing on Tuesdays and Fridays and Saturdays whenever we play these games, but we are practicing eight times per one game, so I'm going to start treating practice like a game. Yeah. And, and I became that kid. I became that irritating freshman that – you know, was going hard on every drill. And I got these juniors and seniors, upperclassmen looking at me like, yo, chill out, bro. We got to play tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And, and, I, and it right. became that, man. So, you know, I, I said that to lead into your question of playing for different coaches, man. It was one style for three years with, with Coach Dillard and that staff. And then my senior year, Coach Waltman came in as Coach Dillard went back to James Madison. He had an opportunity to coach his alma mater, which we totally understood. And now here's this Bobby Knight disciple coming in. And, and you know, in Indiana, everybody know about Indiana. Like, people exactly. know about Larry Bird, but people know about IU first. You know, they right. know about And that's what I tell people. No, I went Larry Bird, not Bobby Knight. But, um, you got this disciple coming in, this Bobby Knight disciple bringing in his yelling, his screaming, his 
his his ways and man i'll sum it up by telling you this god bless his soul if i would have played for coach waltman for more than one year my basketball trajectory would have been different i i i probably would have made it to the nba i probably would have you know different things would have happened um but i was blessed and fortunate to be able to to gain wisdom in one year and mm-hmm. it, it actually catapulted me he came in and the first thing he asked me i was i'm a wing i'm a i'm been a two three my whole life except for my senior year in high school when i grew and my senior year of college when Coach Waltman and Coach Bender and Lansing and Ray, they walked in and the first thing they asked me was, hey, would you play the five for us? And we're going to make it look different than what you think when you think play the five. But would you do that? Because if you do that, we see greatness for you and we see greatness for us. And we ended up having our first winning season since the year after Larry Bird left. And I walked out of Indiana State first team all conference. Definitely, definitely, man. And, and again, like you said, you know, your stats weren't sure of anything your senior year. I mean, you ended up, sure. you know, you ended up averaging almost 17 a game, uh, shot close to 40% from three, uh, you know, a thousand plus score, you know, over four years, you know, and like you said, first team all conference, you know, your, your senior year, you were all conference your junior year also. Yeah, second or third team. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So. And, and and let me let me throw this in there, Tay, because you because you mentioned the three point percentage. Here's what here's what hey, will you play the five looked like in in an actual verbiage. We need you to shoot less threes. Mm. That that was that was really what they told me, and so my percentage went up because my attempts went down. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yep. so, yeah, you, you look at the, you, you know, the stats don't lie. You look at that, but I go from my sophomore year, I was voted top three-point shooter in the conference, but that was also based on volume. Right. And and then my senior year, I shoot almost 40%, and the volume drastically got cut short. So, again, man, I think it's a phenomenal opportunity to serve athletes that may be listening and even coaches that may be listening. But, you know, realizing that a coach asking you to make a, a, a change in your game or, or, you know, to do something different, your ability to be able to see that as an opportunity and not an obstacle is, is imperative. Cause what that ultimately did, bro, is what we're watching now in 2020 with six, nine, six, 10, seven foot dudes that can handle dribble, shoot, defend multiple positions. I was that in 1998 at 6'7", 6'8". I was mismatch problem because I was too big for your guards and too too quick for your bigs. Exactly, man. No, for sure. And, you know, I just thought about it. It just processed in my head that what you mentioned earlier, especially your freshman year, and it's kind of ties into what, you know, you've seen over the last few years, especially the last maybe two, three, four years for sure with the transfer portal. Um, you know, you took advantage of opportunity after talking with your, you know, your pops about the fact that, you know, you weren't liking the situation you were in, you know, your first year. Yeah. But the the fact that you took opportunity to get better and practice every day, go at them upperclassmen instead of, you know, just deciding that you were going to transfer because you were just worried about playing right away. Um, sure. You know, that that worked out in your favor, man. So and. And that, and I think you know it's important for players, coaches, to really you know sit back and you know let their players or team hear this type of conversation. Just because you know <laughs> we're in an era where you know the transfer portal has nine hundred plus names Man, a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and it's only for well for Division One. You know it's only three hundred right. you know fifty some schools, and it's like sure. you know what I mean. So it. it this is definitely something. I'm glad you definitely mentioned that, and I'm, I definitely wanted to tap tap on that again, man. So, so man, obviously you graduate, um, you know, and kind of kind of hit on the academic part as well, man, because I think it's important for, hmm. for for you know these uh, players to understand too that you know it's it's not just strictly basketball when you go to college. It's a very small percentage that go to play pro. Sure. After um, you know, sure. college. So, say hey, let me let me. 
<laughs> I'm laughing because I'm this this what I'm about to say is going to start off atypical because I'm I'm a, I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm gonna be completely transparent and I'm gonna be completely vulnerable right here. Yeah. Um. I, I'm an intelligent guy. I always have been. School was never it for me. Like, and and it's so wild to know that either looking at my sons or just understanding the differences and we wasn't taught that when I was in school. It was I was taught and coached and parented with my way or the highway philosophy. So. For us, like, wasn't, teachers wasn't asking us, hey, how do you learn best? Are you an auditory learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you a kinesthetic learner? No, we're going to stand in front of this class and we're going to give you this information and you're going to get it and either you're going to get it or you're not. And so, um, you know, school became something that wasn't very interesting to me. But here's the, the and that's honest, and I'm going to continue in honesty right now. In college specifically, I used to joke around with people and I used to say that my major was eligibility. And what I meant by that was, <laughs> what I meant by that was I am going to do everything possible to make sure that I'm eligible. Yeah. Whatever I need to do to make sure that I got that 2.0, whatever I need to do to make sure that I don't have back to back of of being below a 2.0. Like, so I might've tanked a semester and got a one five, and then came back the next semester and got a three, two, just because mm. I know that that's what I needed to do to balance out. And so, right. uh, and, and not saying that that's the best way, but again, school wasn't necessarily it for me, right. that matter, that way of learning. And so, but here's what I wasn't going to do. I wasn't about to do nothing that was going to jeopardize what I ultimately wanted to do, which was play ball. Right. You know, so I wasn't about to do anything behavioral wise that was going to put me in, in a situation and I wasn't going to do anything academically. And so, uh, and this is what I tell my young athletes, man, because that's, that's a trend. Like school ain't the most exciting thing for most of us. Not but here, here, here's, what, here's what I say, man, and, and take this, use this for your guys and, and the athletes that you run across. Um, and, and for sure, obviously, as we build our friendship, however you, you, I can serve in what you do. But, and Kobe said it and he brought it home, but it's something that I felt. When you understand that the 12 years that you have to go to school, K through K through through 12, or the the four years that you know you may go if you choose to go to college or something like that, when you look at five days a week, eight hours a day of of, of elementary, junior high, and and high school, or when you look at the 16 years, the extra four years of going to college, you would hope that that's a very small window in your actual life. And when you realize that those are small windows in your actual life and that there's so much more opportunity to learn, then you literally look at the world as your library and that's when learning changes. That's when reading became fun to me when I stopped being told what I had to read and I started reading things that were interesting to me. That's right. That's when learning became fun is when I realized that I don't have to sit here and listen to somebody lecture at me. I could pop on a YouTube video of an entrepreneur or somebody that's been successful in, in whatever industry, not just athletics. Yep. And I can listen to them communicate with me and figure out, you know, Oh, I really like that. Let me, let me tweak that and put it into my life. And, and, and yeah, when I looked at learning differently, man, that's when the game changed. So you got to do it for a certain amount of time. Cause that's what the rules say. But again, right. man, when you can tap in and realize that learning is learning is literally in, in, it's, in, it's, it's infinity. It's infinity. So, yeah, that was when the game really changed for me. Man, I'm glad you said that because now that, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, and especially I tell my little brothers, I'm like, man, like, when I was your age and especially in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. or I didn't start really figuring it out until probably about two years out of college. While, sure. I, was, while I was overseas, I was just like, in my head, I'm like, you know, now, I, you know, just randomly pick up a book, like you said. It's not something that you forced to read, but you just, it sparks your interest. And then from that point on, you just start buying all these books, gaining knowledge and expanding your your intellect and all that. You know, that that's one area I, I tell dudes nowadays. I'm like, man, if you, like, find, like, two, three, maybe four things you're interested in. Like, yeah. and, and just kind of start, you know, gaining more knowledge on that subject. That way, 
if the ball ever does stop bouncing for you, you know, you got things that you can make a career out of, whether it's starting a business or, you know, going into the work field, whatever the case may be. But you've already positioned yourself as a as a young man or woman um, to set yourself up for life after basketball. So um, absolutely. So, man, so kind of talk to us about after your your career after uh, Indiana State. So, obviously, you um, you, did you uh, go through the draft process? Yeah, well, I didn't do actual draft because I wasn't that good. Let's just call it what it is. But um, I I did sign with Indiana State and, and, you know, most agents, if they're doing what they're supposed to do, been in the game, they got some connections somewhere across the board. And so my first NBA experience was actually going to Milwaukee and and trying out for their summer league team. And, um, you know, I walked in there and, and Ray was still there. And you're talking, you know, this was when they had a squad. Ben Baker was there. You know, this is when – this is big dog. This is when Milwaukee was, was kind of like they are now. Like they had some championship aspirations. And so right. I walk in and that's my first NBA environment. So – you, you you got little boy from Cleveland, Ohio, who basketball was just something that he enjoyed. So all of a sudden I get a college scholarship. So all of a sudden I'm standing in front of my first NBA experience and Ray Allen is standing across from me and that's who I got a guard. And so needless to say, I was scared out my mind. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even, you know, from a confidence standpoint, it was just one of those things. The first time I walked into it, I just didn't think I belonged, you know, I, I, I yeah. didn't. And went from that and, and which was, which was a great learning experience. And then had some opportunities, did summer league with Phoenix, did summer league with the Lakers, did summer league with Miami. And each time I went back to summer league, this is back when summer league was in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and each time I went back, I got more and more comfortable. Each time I stepped into an NBA environment, I got more and more comfortable and to the to the point to where uh, with the Lakers one year against the Bulls, I had 18 points in 18 minutes in a summer league game. But I was also at that point where I was 24, 25 years old, and those stories that you hear about the the, the Pat Bevs, the the PJ Tuckers, I'm naming these are guys that I played against overseas at the early point of their career that obviously are staples in the league. Now, those stories weren't necessarily as as abundant, not that they're abundant now, but they weren't as abundant as they are now. And so, and, and part of it too, say was, was my mentality too, because I had gotten to the point where, you know, back then it was called the NBDL was just coming around. And I'm like, why, why would I go make, $800 $800 a week when I can make $8,000 a month. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I, and see the world. And so the NBA, as close as it was, it it was never something that I'm like, I'm about to break my back or, or, or not do what I feel like I need to do to keep pursuing this dream. And I just had the mentality like, shoot, they know where I'm at. Because overseas, I was establishing a name for myself. Bro, I was, I was, 20 plus 10 plus for for 10 out of the 13 years I played and and I say that to say I started off in Stockholm Sweden making three grand a month for 10 months that doesn't take a mathematician to figure out what that contract was right you know but but you go over there you show them that you that you deserve to be there that you belong to be there and and then you either go from a not so great team or you go from a not so great country to a not so good team in a better country or, and you just, you just build your way up. And so again, hopefully this will serve any athletes that are listening, but a, a nugget from me would be if you had the opportunity to go play anywhere after college, figure out if that's what you really want to do. And then don't go over there thinking that you're going to come out making 10 grand a month. I didn't get my first six figure contract until I was seven years into my career. But I proved to them every year that this is who I am consistently. This is what you're going to get. And, and, and I'm deserving of when it comes around. And so, yeah, man, a lot of, you know, you get this instant gratification thing where they think, and, you know, even non-athletically, they think they're going to come out of school and, and get a, a $80,000 paying job right out of undergrad. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't how it works. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, right. so, yeah, man, it, it was all just an opportunity for me. No, for sure. And, and obviously, during your time overseas, obviously you were over there for 13 years. Um, you travel. I mean, you you went to almost every country. I feel like in a sense, you know, you was, in, <laughs> <laughs> you was in Sweden, Australia, you know, Israel, you know, and Germany. Yeah. You know, so you got to visit some beautiful places for sure. You know, I I was in Spain for two years, and then uh, in the Philippines for about half a half a season. Um, and yeah, kind of kind of just talk about you know the adjustments you got to make. You know, especially when you get over there, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost yeah. like a culture shock. I know it was for me. Um, it yeah, was definitely no a culture shock. No so kind of talk about like what it was for you or how you had to adjust, you know, your first few years playing overseas. Cause you know, you're living basically over there all the whole year and you're coming home for three yeah. months, three, four <laughs> months at a time. And, you know, so kind of talk about that, man. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's what people don't realize. And when I say people, again, I'm talking about the athletes that are, potentially going through it, their families. Like, I don't know if you realize that, but I was I was barely 21, so I was always a year younger. I started school when I was four, and I never made that year back up. Right. So I started high school at 13. I graduated high school at 17, started at Indiana State at 17. I didn't turn 21 until December of my senior year of college. So I was I was young. So I was 21 years old pretty much haven't been out of the Midwest between Cleveland and Indiana. And now all of a sudden I'm in somebody else's country for nine, 10 months out of the year for the next 13 years of my life. Yeah. And, 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 you know, from Sweden to Finland to Germany to Israel getting cut, which was the first time I had been cut. Um, it was, it, it was putting myself in a financial position. And then consciously it was like, Uh, Well, you know, you get some guys over there and ladies over there that'll stay in the country, you know, maybe marry somebody from over there, get their citizenship. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just like, man, while 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 I'm doing this on somebody else's dime, I'm going to see how much of this little blue ball I can see. And so rather than stay in the country for, you know, my entire career, I decided to keep keep bouncing and just see you a year here. Let's spend two years here. Oh, I really like it. Let's spend another year here, like in Australia, um, you know, going back to Italy and things like that. And so I, I literally just decided that that was the route because at the end of the day, bro, I still consider myself to be a little boy from Cleveland, Ohio. Right, and from right. where I'm from, little boys from Cleveland, Ohio, don't get to see the world. So I was, I was going to soak it up for every absolute ounce that I could and I've heard people say this, and I will be one to, to repeat it. You know, basketball is basketball, but don't let basketball use you. You know, you use it. Right. You use it, and not, not in, a, in a manipulative way where I'm taking advantage of the situation, but in a way to where I can put this ball in the basket really well, and now I get to see the world. And, and, and bro, I'll share this, and then, you know, we can move on or however, but – I didn't realize the power of this statement that I'm about to tell you until recently, but recent events, uh, you know, just the recent culture and the recent space that we're in has really brought power to this statement. And that statement is this, I learned myself by learning other people. And that was afforded by the opportunity that I had to go travel the world and, and, and put that ball in that basket I got to be immersed, man. It's one thing to go on vacation to Spain. It's a whole other thing to live there for eight months where you are literally immersed yeah. in the culture. You, you know, you're you're right. having these conversations. I mean, and I'm sure you, you're the same. I took four years of Spanish in high school. I can tell you more after being in Israel for eight months than I can four years of Spanish because I'm getting it every day. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I may not be able to read Hebrew, but right. say... Manish mom, you know, Mashallah man, you know what I'm saying? How exactly. are you? How you doing? I know yeah. how to say that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Facts. And, and, Facts. and and that is that's the game changer, bro. Again, when you when you can be a vision, and that's my whole deal with even the space that I'm in now, is I want to be a vision. I'll go back to Indiana State and ask the guys, they got fifteen guys on the team, you know, how many of y'all have a basketball after college? 
and they'll all raise their hand. All 15 of them, bro. All 15 of them. And, and then I'll go back and say, okay, cool, because I ain't there to kill your dreams or bust your bubble. That's not my job. But right. it is my job to, to let you know what's, what, what that means. Okay, cool. Since Bird left, how many guys have had an opportunity basketball beyond college? Most of them don't even, can't even answer that question. If they can answer that question, okay, let's start to name some of them. And we start naming some of them. Uh, uh, Nate Green, Jason Wells, Keelan Blott, Jake Odom. And, and, we, and we get to about 15. Right. So you telling me that 15 guys that left Indiana State played basketball after college since 1979 and all 15 of y'all raising your hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I just want to let you know what you, what you said. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So for me, for me to be that vision, bro, of somebody that's done it and now coming to a place, and I, and I very transparently say this to any audience that I'm in front of, when I speak about the things that I've had the opportunity and the blessing to do in my life, I'm never saying it for from a place of, Look what I look, you know, look what I look what I done did. You know what I'm saying? Look what I done. Right. I'm saying it from a place of see where I've been. Yep. Not look what I've done, but see where I've been. And that, that's a big difference for me. That's that's deep for sure, man. Definitely yeah. definitely deep, man. Like I hope man, I hope people tune into this one for sure, man, because a lot of people need to hear exactly <laughs> what you say, man. It's it's, it's some good stuff, you. man, for sure. So, man, while you were overseas and you know playing pro like were you kind of like were you trying to fill out what it was you wanted to do like post career or were you just kind of just all in just focused all in on just you know winning your championships you know making your your all pro teams and and you know stuff like that because i mean obviously you you know you had a lot of success i mean you won three titles you know during your pro career and you know you made three all pro teams mm -hmm. and and whatever other accolades that may have came up came about it you know so what was it that you were working on during that time or was it kind of like i'm gonna just enjoy this for the moment and then once once you know basketball is over with then i'm gonna figure out you know what's next because obviously you know we all been in the position that once that ball stops bouncing like we we have a, a little coming to jesus moment where we're like you know sure. what you know what's you know uh -oh. now what yep exactly uh-oh yeah. now what what's next yeah. uh, so man yeah. kind of hit on that man man that's that's a, another phenomenal question bro so in the in the middle of my career you know, I'm I'm going overseas every August. I'm coming back every April or May, depending on how far we go in, during the season. Mm -hmm. um, I, there wasn't a whole lot of conscious, here's what I'm going to do when this ball stops bouncing. And, 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 and I'm, I want to be specific about that word, when. Because it ain't if. It ain't if the ball stops bouncing. It's when it stops bouncing. Right. You know, some some of our basketballs just got a little bit more air in them. Some of them, yeah. or some of them got elevated a little higher, so it takes them a little longer to come back down. But it's, right. it's gonna stop. Exactly. You know, whether 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 it's twenty five, thirty five, or forty, it's going to stop. And so I didn't put a lot of conscious thought into, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I did do and know is that statement that I just told you. I got to know myself really well really well yeah. and and learning my, myself is i don't care how cool those other dudes were you wasn't spending 24 hours a day with them and so you're right. in this place where you're by yourself you know not in a lonely state but in a in a i'm by my, myself and so you get to know what you like what you don't like how to entertain yourself like for me bro one of the one of the biggest things that is a pet peeve for me is to hear somebody say that they're bored that that means you don't enjoy being with yourself right you know i, I don't need <laughs> yeah. nobody else to entertain me you know like and and but think about it though that's where we're at we we have created a culture of people young and old that can't embrace the time that they're by themselves they don't want to be by themselves because being by themselves 
makes them think it makes them feel and and those are the two things that have elevated the human being as the primary species like we're the, we're the dominant species because of our ability to think and feel and mm-hmm. most people hate doing those emotions which is absurd to me so yeah. anyway man I, I i can get on a soapbox with that i'll, I'll stay on topic um no, I didn't do a lot of here's what I'm going to do. I know that I wanted to do something in the athletic space. I also knew that I didn't want to bench coach. I, I did know that. So that's why I got into skill development after I retired. Uh, I, I was fortunate to be able to connect with one of my guys that I played against. So, so Merle Cole is one of my guys that I played against my first year in Sweden. And he, he only played a few years because of injury. I played 13. By the time I got done, he was he was high up in the Nike sports industry and, and EYBL and all of that thing, and he pretty much pulled me into that once I got out. Mm. You know, so that's how I got connected with Nike. That's how I got connected deep into the skill development world because my thing with X's and O's was I didn't want to deal with parents and I didn't want to deal with playing time. So right. I'll get them better, and I'll give them back to the people who choose to deal with them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Kind of talk about that, man, because obviously you uh you did you know work with Nike and you were doing like clinics and and stuff like that, and obviously yeah. you worked with some of like the highest professionals in the in the in the business. Obviously, you know the Kades, the Lebrons, sure. you know John Lucas, you know guys like that. Sure. Um, kind of talk about how that time for you started, you know, molding you molding you a little bit. Obviously, with the skill development yeah. for post post play. Um, in a sense, just because I know yeah. you did that for a few years and then that's when, you you know, your eyes kind of really opened up um, <laughs> in a sense from a from a book yeah. that you read called, um, if I'm not mistaken, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire yep. Everyone yep. to Take Action. Um, so kind of talk about that time yep. with Nike and then how that book kind of led you into what you're, you've been doing for the past, you know, five years now. Yeah, so... Nike was, and you touched on it without even without even knowing it. Nike was the ultimate growth for me. It was, it, and it's funny because I just talked to MC just just last night. Um, no coincidence, mm. but and I shared this with him when he pulled me in. It was another one of those. I'm in this environment and I really can't believe I'm in this environment. You know, I'm walking around looking at she Wallace and, and, and Gary Payton and Ron Harper and, and Brian Shaw and Miles Simon and, 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 yeah. and a young Lloyd Pierce. And I'm sitting there like in awe, Alan Stein, uh, Kevin Eastman. I'm like, this, this, this is the crew. Right. And my first couple years, man, and this, this is what I told Merle last night when we talked. Um, my first couple years, I found myself in the spaces with the guys that had done what I'd done, which is run up and down the court. I found myself having the conversations with the She's and the GPs and the, and the, and the Ron Harpers and, and, and even not even to that level, because those guys are Hall of Famers, but even, you know, Jamal Robinson and, and Mike Morrison and Junior Burrow and, and, and Corey Alexander. Now, you know, those guys went to C schools. I went to Indiana State, so I'm, I'm picking their brains. And then a couple years into it, man, I started to realize that John Lucas wasn't at that table. Lloyd Pierce wasn't at that table. Miles Simon wasn't at that table. And, and this, is, this has got absolutely no disrespect to that table, bro. Let me, let me lead with that. But they were at the tables that were talking about not how many points we scored or, or, or you know, how many women we didn't ran through. They was at the tables talking about how do we elevate the game. And and that was a shift for me, man. And then I started finding myself migrating over to those tables. And, and you know, I don't know how well you know LP, but it's not a coincidence that he is now the head coach of the, of the Atlanta Hawks. No coincidence at all. Right. With with the path that he chose to take and, and, you know, the opportunities that were afforded to him along with his work ethic and his attitude. Like, it's no, it's no, it's not a coincidence that, Miles Simon and Phil Handy are both sitting on the Lakers bench. You know that, like, like it's it's amazing, bro. So it was a, it was an absolute growth period for me, man. And and being around Luke, 
I told Luke, I told John, I said, look, bro, I want your job. Right. And he looked at me with, with no, no animosity, no envy, no nothing. And he, he looked at me, he was like, come get it. And that was my first real, like, he had his eyes already set on the next job. And he knew that somebody had to fulfill the role that he was fulfilling. And so when he said, come get it, he wasn't saying it sarcastically or facetiously. He was like, come on, because I already know I'm going somewhere else and somebody going to have to do what I do. And and my whole mindset changed, man. And and then it led to where I'm at now. And I'll I'll stop when I say this and, and however you want to frame the question. But working with these kids that are now on TV, the Devin Bookers, the Julius Randles, the Miles Bridges, the Malik Monk, the Aaron Fox, like working with these guys when they were in high school and, and early college and and watching them, I'm like, dang. These guys are tremendously talented. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when that ball stops bouncing, though? <laughs> right. You know, are, are are the people that are telling them all these great things, are they fueling them with the things that are going to be beneficial for them when that ball stops bouncing? And now, even more importantly, Tay, is Kobe showed it, and, and Kobe kind of set the way. And now Bron is really taking it and running with it. I ain't got to wait till the ball stops bouncing to, to venture into the things that I'm passionate about. Exactly. And, and that's when it, was, it really became a morph. It really became a morph for me. And what I do now, I still call it skill development, but 99.9% of it is off the court. I could care less if I ever see another cone or ball or drill ever again because my focus is now – cool, I want you to ride this wave as long as you can ride it, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, track, volleyball, lacrosse. I want you to ride this wave as long as you can ride it. But understand that your identity of who you are is not wrapped into the game you play. There is a you outside of this sport. And now let's find out who that person is before the sport stops. So now when the sport stops, I can seamlessly transition over into already knowing where I can at least be driven to because I know who I am and I know what I like and I know what inspires me. And, and now I can go that route instead. And now we don't have to have the, the, the what now moment or, or at least not as drastically. Yeah, not for sure, man. Definitely. Definitely. And you hit it on the head, man, being able to, to find your passion of, in hindsight, who you are, why you're still in it is, you know, way better than trying to find yourself after it. Uh gives you a gives you a, <laughs> no gives you a leg up and and you know, that's that's definitely something I always tell, you know, athletes, you know, family, whatever the case may be, man. Like I didn't start finding my true self until after that ball was done bouncing. Yeah. You know, but again, man, it, it's just uh it's just another part of our story, man, to to help, you know, the the ones coming sure. up behind us and and again, sure. man, your story is obviously uh, is one that's that's, you know, remarkable in the sense of just, you know, what you've been through, you know, and how you've overcome every obstacle that has, you know, been in your way. You know what I mean? Um, and taking yeah. and like you said, taking it, taking advantage of them it. opportunities, man, for sure. I will tell you this, man, John Lucas, I, I'll tell you this. I don't know if you heard my uh, interview with uh, A.B., but uh, <laughs> after college, I got the opportunity to go train down there with John Lucas for about three weeks in Houston. And, yeah. like, it was, like, eye-opening experience <laughs> from the sense of just, like, you know, because I, I had always seen him. Like, I would see him at a couple of tournaments because he would host some tournaments in Birmingham. Um, but, like, I never sure. truly got the experience of training with him, man. I kid you yeah. not, like you know, yeah, it was three, a a, dude, yeah, three, three a day workouts. <laughs> you know, you at the Findy in the morning. You at this, uh, I can't remember the high school we was at at um, for like a little lunch shooting session. And obviously, we got like shooting sessions slash runs in in the evening. And I tell people this that like I'll never forget. We was at Texas Southern, uh, getting shots up on the gun. And no lie, he came in put a chair right in the middle of the court had a had a like a bag full of crawfish and was sitting there and going to work <laughs> and just like you, you know you know how uh, you know how lucas talks too man he's like 
Yeah, he gonna say what's on his mind. So and he just chomping down on them crawfish and getting into getting to us at the same time, man. I I look back on now and I laugh because I was just like, but I mean, like he's one of the best, you know what I mean, and what he does. So yeah, yeah. So nah, man. Yeah. So man, let's yeah, kind of nah, get. Yeah, that that is that is my guy. That's my guy. Yeah, man. Nah, he he good people's for sure, man. So kind of, let's get back kind of like to what you do now. Um. Cause and you actually uh, we didn't even talk about this yet. Um, you just most recently, almost almost a year ago, uh, you actually came out uh, with your with your own book. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, man. So kind of kind of talk about what molded you into like all these avenues that you, you that you are now, like in a sense. Because obviously your book's called you know the things we know, but do not do. Um, and I haven't mm. got it yet. I actually was in Johnson City yesterday uh and i went by barn and nobles and they didn't have it so i was like well i'm gonna have to order online and get it but man kind of talk about yeah. what you talk about you ain't, you ain't even got to do that I'm, I'm gonna send it to you how about that hey man listen listen i'm gonna need your autograph in that joint <laughs> i'm gonna say <laughs> so man so yeah barnes and noble um it's not actually on shelf so for so from barnes and noble you got to do it but online digitally and all of that. But uh, okay, I got you. Look, man, I you. I, I'm a. Uh, I'll, I'll start with this. One of my guys told me when I really kind of first started this journey, probably back in, in uh, 2011 or 12. One of my guys told me, he's like, "Look, bro, he's like, in five years, you may be on a course on a path that you didn't even know existed. You don't even recognize." He's like, but as long as you stay anchored to your purpose, you'll be good. Even if you're on a path that you don't even recognize. So this is back when I ain't never considered myself to be. Uh, but what I have done is been completely anchored into my purpose. And, and my purpose verbalized is to develop and empower winners so they can go inspire and impact the world. That's got nothing to do with basketball. That's got everything to do with basketball. Like, all at the same time. Like, right. when I put my feet on the floor, I wake up most mornings at 5 o'clock in the morning. When I put my feet down on the floor in the morning, after I pray and after I express my gratitude, I know that in whatever way, shape, or form that day plays out, that's my mission is to develop and empower winners so they can inspire and impact the world. Yeah. Um, writing a book was was – Man, I don't even call it writing a book, bro. I call it I, I verbally threw up on my keyboard. I just I just started typing. Mm. I started typing about experiences. I started typing about things that I'd seen, things that I'd been through, conversations I'd had. I just started typing. Right. And connecting with a lady, Michelle Hill, who helped me put it together into into quote unquote book form, you know, put me with the editor. And, and, and I didn't know anything. I, I didn't sit down to write a book. I didn't know anything about a book. And, and my lady right now, I'm sitting here and over the pandemic, I've watched her write a book to the point to where it's about to go to publishing and editing and all of that type stuff. And, and she sat down to write a book. I never did that. Um, you know, even with the TED Talk, it was, you know, I, I, I happened to be connected with the people that were putting on the TED Talk. Hey, I got something kind of cool I want to talk about. And and I think it'll be, it'll serve the, the, the mission of, of the, the idea of the group. Um, but at the end of the day, bro, this is, this is me. I am a person who is rooted and anchored in my own individual purpose and realize the power of purpose and realize that as many people out there, just like hoops, just, just like sports, you got a bunch of people telling you, oh, I hope you're doing right with your money. Do right with you. What you doing with your money? You saving your money? Like, what does that mean to a kid that don't know what that means? Right, right, yep. You know, and, and it's, the, it's the same thing with with motivation, and it's the same thing with finding your purpose and finding your passion. You got a bunch of people out there talking about find it, find it, find it, and it it feels good when you you motivate me and I, I walk away and I'm like, OK, cool. Yeah. Find my passion and I'm good. And then I get out the doors and I'm like, OK, how? Right. <laughs> you know, how, how do I do that? I, I don't really even know what I like. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And so rather than being another person to say, find your purpose and find your passion, 
the approach that I've taken is through using my own specific journey, let me circle back around and now guide you. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be your master Yoda. I'm gonna be your Morpheus in the Matrix. I'm that's gonna be able to share some experiences with you as you navigate your own journey. Because once you what like the the reason that most people can't find their purpose is because they're looking externally. Right. Your purpose ain't outside. Your purpose is inside you. And that that's going to come from a self-awareness of how how well do I know myself? And now I can tap into me knowing myself, me being those peaks, valleys, good, bad that I've gone on in my life. And now somebody else can be served by something that I went through that might've been really bad for me, but because it was really bad for me, it don't have to be really bad for them. Nah, man, for sure, man. And, 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 and what you said is definitely deep, man. That, that's deep. And, and I think that's something that we all, even myself, you know, just have to continue working on doing, just continuing to find our purpose and our why. And one of the interesting things I found on your website is that, you know, obviously your name, Jason Wells, you have the J in it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I said the J, I meant the Y. Uh, you have the Y in it. The and, Y, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Y, you know, like you said on, on your website, it signifies the unique spelling of your name. Um, sure. So, so man, kind of talk and just to finish up, man, what advice I should say could you give to people? Because, I mean, you do this for a living. You know, you talk to teams, you talk to businesses, you know, you, you, know, you do this year in, year out. Um, but for the people that, aren't a part of teams, the people that are, whether they're recruiting service, they're scouts, whatever, uh, even other coaches that are looking, you know, are seeking out mentorship from, from outside, you know, people outside of the coaching business in a sense, you know what I mean? Uh, what, what advice could you give to them about finding their purpose that will elevate them and their why, uh, to not only take their career to another level, but obviously the program that they're with or whatever the case may be that their, um, their business, they're virtuing out on. Man. So I'm not being sarcastic or facetious when I say this, but, but greatness is really simple. It's just really simple. It's, and when you look at great, that's what I do for most of my day. I study great people. I study great people in athletics and business and entertainment, you know, and, and industries that I never even heard of or industries that I'm not necessarily interested in. I just study great people. Uh, you know, there's so many different platforms and avenues for you to be able to be introduced to people that are doing things that can be considered great. So, but for me, it's still, it's going to be anchored by, how well do I know myself? Right. How well do I know myself? And, and because again, as I was mentioning, purpose is not this external thing. You don't go, you don't find your purpose. Actually, the word that we use within the organization and within my team is you, you don't find it. You uncover it very mm. specific, not discover it. You uncover it. Right. And what we mean when we say uncover it is, from the time we we are born, it starts with our family. Our family and indirectly covers us with, it starts off as safety. I got to do these things to make sure that you remain safe. But now they are mom and dad's fears, our mom and dad's uncertainties, our mom and dad's beliefs become ingrained in us. And then we go to school and and then we get society's beliefs ingrained in us. And and each year you just get, covered and covered by by more stuff that's not necessarily yours and so i feel like the whole journey to purpose is going to start with realizing who am i what do i like what do i not like you know how do i communicate how you know like and and actually purpose is an acronym so p is for passion what am i passionate about u is for uncommon what sets me apart what makes me unique or different R is for resilience, like when life punches me in the face, not only getting back up, but how do I get back up? Uh, you know, that, that's, that's two different questions. Right. Um, the P is preparation. The second P is preparation, where that Milwaukee story that I told you about, I dig deeper into something that I saw the minute that I walked into the old Bradley Center, where I saw Ray Allen 
preparing for something that there's no way that he could have known was going to happen. And I, I won't, we'll say that story for another time. Yeah, but preparation sure. is, you know, how, how, how can you be prepared before you get there? And then opportunity is the O. Like people talk about opportunities come once in a lifetime. No, they don't. They come all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just often we're not prepared for them. And if you're not prepared for an opportunity, you either not going to know what to do with it or you're not going to even realize it's an opportunity. That's just the real. Right. Um, the S is for service. Who are you doing it for? It's bigger than you. And this ain't about you. Mm-hmm. This is about who is going to benefit from you doing what you do greatly. Like, so, so who are you serving? And then the E is, is experience. Like, what have you been through? My grandma used to tell me, I give you the PG 13 version, but my grandma <laughs> used to tell me, if you ain't been through nothing, you can't tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, and, and so I think it's imperative for, for cats like us that have played the game at a high level, coached the game at a high level to share our experiences with the young people that have desires to do what we've done because that experience piece is key. Not saying that you have, you have to have done those things for you to be great because you don't. Royce Waltman was not a high-level player. He was a phenomenal coach, though. So I ain't saying that you got to be a high-level player to be a high-level coach. But I think Cole, God bless his soul, you know, what, what what Kobe did for me, I never studied Kobe as a basketball player. Like, that wasn't really, you know, I, I didn't, I know he mirrored his game off of Mike. And if I wanted to be Mike, I would have just studied Mike. But I never wanted to be Mike. I wanted to be Scotty. You know, I wanted to be KG. I wanted to be versatile and that type deal. But where I, I've totally immersed myself is post-retirement Kobe. Mm. Businessman Kobe. Mm-hmm. Venture capitalist Kobe story writer Kobe, Emmy Award winner, Academy Award winner. Like, that's the Kobe that I I found myself immersed in because he laid the blueprint of, again, man, when that helicopter crashed on January 26th, it was tragic in so many different ways because he was was about to be the blueprint of what these 20 years transcended on this court and the greatness that you saw on this court he was about to he was about to outdo that off the court definitely definitely and and that's that's what i get out of it man like i i want every athlete in whatever sport they play i want them to be as great as they can every time they step on the playing surface but i also want them to know when they step off that playing surface whether it be that individual event or whether it be for the last time that that that's only the platform that's ultimately going to propel you to your ultimate greatness, which is tapped into your purpose. Man, man, again, man, that that's man. This that conversation. Like a mic drop, dog. Hey, I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. Hey, you see me? I'm, I'm, I'm in the. Hey, I'm in the audience. I'm sitting there, mouth dropped. Like, yeah, this was it. Like, this was it, man, for sure, man. So. Man, I appreciate you I appreciate coming it, on, man, for sure, man. Uh, last thing I do, I always ask my guests, and I've done it over the past few weeks, uh, if you had to say or recommend one person to get on the show to do um, an interview with, who would, who would that be? I know I put you on the spot right uh, there. So. No, it's all good. I, I enjoy that question, man. I, I would say... I would say if you have a, a, a relationship, you know, and obviously they're in the bubble and all of that, but, man, like you mentioned in John Lucas, um, I, I, and, and here's why I say that, because I feel like the power is going to come from people who are in the space talking to people who, who want to be in the space, man. And right now you got a lot of kids boys and girls and their parents that want to be in the space but don't necessarily understand what the space is right. or, or what the space entails, you know. So whether right. you got something like, you know, it's it's easy to make it to the league. It's hard to stay there. Thanks. You know, like like little things like that, man. So so, you know, if you can get your hands on Luke once they get up out of the bubble, man, and if you want me to, to hit him from another side and, and reach out to him, let me know. Because, uh, you know, uh, as as much as Luke does, he he will answer the phone when I call. So No, for um, sure. But I think that will be powerful for, for just in our sport, but in, in 
any sport because uh, this this will be my last little bombshell. Um, another something that my grandma used to tell me and and got actually got reiterated from my uncle not too long ago. My 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 youngest uncle. Uh, my grandma used to tell me, "You get knowledge from books and teachers. You get wisdom from time and experience. Like, like you can, you can, you can get some knowledge from reading a book or or talking to somebody, and that's gonna give you knowledge. But wisdom, you only get that from from being here, from going through some stuff." And then my uncle came back and basically said his version of what she said, and he's like, "Man, I can't read a book and be seventy. Right. So, so Luke is Luke is going to give you a wisdom of seventy years on this planet that you ain't gonna be able to get from reading a book. No, for sure, man, definitely, definitely. I know I ain't talked to him in a while, but it, shoot, probably last time I talked to him was when I was down there training. So we'll definitely have to make that connection for sure. Uh, but again, yeah. man. But again, man, I appreciate you taking the time out, man, to hop on here with me. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, you for our conversations, you know, the few that we had, but the the, the many we're going to have, sure. you know, in the future, man, uh, as we continue to build this thing up, man. And, and I don't want to hold you up too much longer, man, but just want to tell you I appreciate you, bro, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Back at you, man. Let Let me know. Um, you know, I, I touched on that S and purpose is serve, man. And that, yeah. that's how I leave every conversation and enter every conversation, man. Uh, you, you know what I do, uh, as we continue to grow our friendship, you'll get a deeper understanding of what I do. And then anything after that is let me know, however I can serve, whether it be something on your direct platform or, or connect me with somebody a, a team or whatever that that i can serve and, and elevate what they do and enhance what they do man because at the end of the day that's why i say experience teller man i'm not a motivational speaker that's on you whether or not you get motivated i'm just telling my story dog facts facts man for yeah. sure yeah. well man i'm gonna let yeah. you go man we'll, we'll definitely be in touch man and again man i appreciate you my man All my right, man. man peace appreciate you for sure yep Thanks again for tuning in to Beyond the Hardwood. For more information on Jason, or if you just want to continue to follow his journey, be sure to check out jasonwells.com. And also, if you are interested in purchasing his book, The Things We Know But Do Not Do, you can do so on his website or online at barnandnobles.com. Links to both can be found in the details for this episode. And also, continue to share, subscribe, rate and leave a review as we continue to build this platform and until next time remember life goes beyond the hardwood